0: heard that 10 years ago, as was a celebration, it's a decade since uh, the Lord decided to keep me here, we had a discussion I lost. I learned a long time ago, after coming out of religion, don't try and plan your faith. Don't try and take steps to get to where God already has you. I mean, when I grew up in church, there were more step plans to get to where you needed to go than there were plans. You know, three steps. Three steps to grace, seven steps to mercy, and one step to hell. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a reason they said that. Because if you got it down simple to one step, they didn't like that idea you had to have at least three. So I asked, where'd that come from? He said, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then I read the Bible. One
1: step. One God, triune,
0: one step. So, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was coming here, and I told Pastor about it, so the Lord was telling me that I was going to teach on something, I didn't want to teach on it. Mm -mm. It's too hard. Bring it on, he said. So I said, look, if you really want me to teach on something, is there any way you can sugarcoat it? (laughs) Well, don't be laughing at me. I don't want you all looking at me with daggers when I leave here. You know, if you're going to swallow something, it might as well taste good. Anyway, we, we went through it a few times last night, and I said, okay, I'll start in a different area and work my way up to where I am, and along the way, they may get the message. So he said, that was good. And then, of course, I'm sitting, and I'm thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Pastor Paul, you know what that's like. So I said, am I going to do this right? Am I going to get this right? Pastor Gary's watching. He knows the Bible inside. Oakley, am I going to get this <laughs> So, of course, I go into his office this morning, and I sit down. He doesn't know what I was doing last night. He said, I got a verse. I got to share this verse with you, okay? My Bible's shut, just like it is now. See this little tab? So he opens up, he says, Luke chapter 7. Starts reading. I'm going, really? No, it's just like God got in the room, and he said, by the way, you will start here. Remember, I told you that last night. (laughs) So, let's look at this. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. And we're going to find out. It's like Pastor Gary said, there are only two people in the whole Bible where the Lord Jesus Christ said, you have great faith. One is one we're going to talk about tonight, and the other one is the Phoenician woman. Whose daughter was possessed, right? And she just kept at him and kept at him and kept at him. Lady, why am I going to give you bread from the children's table? Yes, but at least the dogs can still pick up the crumbs. And he called that great faith. Oh, wait a minute. It's great faith to sit on your knees and beg and just pick up the crumbs? And God considered that great faith? No. No. Is that she knew what she wanted in her heart, and she spoke out what she believed was going to happen, and she would not let it go. Bulldog faith.
1: In chapter 7,
0: let's start, yeah, we'll just go to verse 8. No, seven. I'll do Pastor Gary. I'll just keep going up until I get where I want. No, let's yeah, let's go back to six. So Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Likewise, I do not think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. But say the, mm, amazing, isn't it?
1: Say the word, one step. Say the word, and my servant will be healed.
0: For I myself am a man placed under authority. I am a man placed under authority. Remember that? Having soldiers under me, I say to one, go, and to the other, go, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these words, he marveled at him and turned and said to the people who followed him, I tell you, I have not found such faith in all of
1: Israel. One step. One step. The word. Out of here. Not out of here. Not out of here. Out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. All right. Slow down, Bob. Slow down. All right. Now I want to
0: mix one little aspect into this, which will help too. So go back to Matthew chapter 5 to the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5.
1: Is this world um, in a really crazy place?
0: Right? I bet you if you took five psychiatrists and put them in a room and labeled to them all the difficulties the world is in right now and just said it was a person, I am convinced that they would commit that person. You know, I'm convinced they would commit that person. That's how bad the world is. And as Pastor Gary and I were talking, you know, when you look at Solomon and he wrote and he said, there's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. What was, will be, will, you know, it's always there. So we, he's been dealing with that. We've been dealing with that since Noah. Okay? God tried one solution and realized he didn't want to do that anymore. It was his creation, and he decided, okay, I'm going to save some, and we're going to start off with this. I'll never do it to you again. That's in the way covenant. Remember, I told you to remember one word in the centurion, not the word that just spoke. There was another word. Remember what that word was? Thank you. So I got the Bible students down front.
1: Authority. And what did the centurion say? I am a man. Okay. That world is bad. Who's to inherit it? The who?
0: The meek. So in order to have great faith, you need to know you have authority, right? You need to know you have to speak it, right? But God put another thing in place. He said, now you
1: have to be meek. Right? Okay,
0: you got to get rid of the religious meek. Okay, the religious meek. I can get a lot lower and I can squirm like a worm, but that won't help. <laughs> a truly meek Christian is this. If you study it out in the Greek, it talks about a very confident, strong, person who is not concerned about your opinion. I don't even concern myself with what you think of me. I am not concerned with what you think you know about the Bible and have all the compunction to come and tell me how wrong I am or where I should go or what I should do. I'm going to look at you, In the true manner of a meek person under the classic Greek, I am so confident in my love of God and his love for me and his word. I'm going to smile at you. I'm not even going to get upset with you. And I'm going to ask to pray with you when you leave. Isn't that wonderful? That's a truly meek person. That's walking in love and grace. So now we have some components for what we are to do in these last days. Number one is to be meek. That meekness means you get in your scriptures, you get in the Bible, you come to church, you make every meeting, you get together and you unite in the love of God and you grow in faith. And you do not concerned with anyone else's opinion. I am so glad when I came to this church, I didn't have too many opinionated people coming to me to tell me how well I was not doing. (laughs) It was years later that I found out my senior pastor went, oh dear, what are we going to do with him? And I'm so happy the Lord answered him. Nothing. That's my job. (laughs) And he let me grow up. He let me make mistakes. He let me fall down. A few times he knocked me down. It's all right. You're allowed to do that. If you really want to grow in your faith, if you want to be a truly made person, then there's another aspect that goes with me that's called humility. Now, unlike meekness, humility means I put my pride away. I not only put my pride away, but I put away what I think I know. I was pretty bold when I walked in here, man. I knew the rubrics and the prayer book really, really well. I knew exactly how long the pastor was allowed to say one prayer, I knew how long he was allowed to say the sinner's prayer, I knew how long it was going to take for him to get communion ready, and if he got behind, I would tug on his place just to remind him, you're, 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 you're going too slow, speed it up. Hey, come on, we did a 7.30, a 9.15, an 11, and a four o'clock service in one day. Lick him, kick him, and stick him but that's not what this is about. And in the very last days, you are the people that are supposed to inherit the earth, not me,
1: and not him. Our job,
0: Pastor Paul, Pastor Gary, Pastor Nancy, Pastor Diane, and Pastor Shirley, is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And believe me, folks, that is not easy. It's not easy. And it really gets hard when you have people who do not understand what a true meek Christian is. They're confident in the word and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and they are confident
1: in their family. You're confident in your
0: family. You have a father and a mother. You have older brothers and sisters. They're called elders. And your pastors work together as a family unit to prepare you to do the work of the ministry. You need to be meek. And the reason I go to the Beatitudes to do it is if you truly read the Beatitudes correctly, Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, is laying out the actual characteristics of a follower of him. Those are the characteristics that we are to grow into as he, what, teaches for three years. He's laying out before the whole course starts, this is going to be where I want you to be. And he lays it all out. And then follow your scriptures through it, and he literally ticks off each one of them. And I get real excited when I start reading that. And I get real excited when I begin to understand that meekness is the foundation upon which humility acts. Unless I am a meek person, unless I am strong in my knowledge and love of God and God's love for me, humility becomes a vapor. Becomes a vapor. You really, really need to get the meekness down. And we do that by working with each other, allowing each other to make mistakes, loving each other, holding each other, sharing the gospel with each other if you can't do it here you're not going to do it out there now here's the hard part a truly meek and humble person if somebody leaves will grant them grace beyond measure will never ever 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 put a bad word towards them a thought towards them and if you are give it to god cast your cares upon me because I care for you. What you have to realize when he says I care for you is each and every one of you. Not just you, but everyone. So we put that out there and we leave that out there. So, all right, now Pastor Bob, why'd you start off and Luke and you went all the way back to me? Because I want you to know and understand if you want to have great faith, meekness and humility are the two basics that are required for great faith.
1: Oh no way! Mm-mm.
0: You're lying, boy. Man, that is so rotten. That's bad. I'll tell you right now. That centurion, he won't know Christian. He was a heathen. I got to try and say that like they say in the south. He was a real heathen, boy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was. But what did he have? He was meek. He knew who he was.
0: He knew the authority he had. He knew what he was about. He had those qualities already. And by the way, if you truly understand being in the military, you got to be humble because if you ain't, you're going in the brig. All right? Don't you be telling no gunny sergeant. And by the way, if I, I, I wish the doc was standing right here beside me, because you going, yeah, boy, Emma? Doc Barkley's the same way. I love I love his ministry. It's straight in your face. It's no, 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 I haven't got time for all the frills. He would say it right off the bat. A good military man is extremely humble because he's willing to learn, knowing his very life depends on it. Well, guess what? Your very life depends on your humility, your willingness to learn, even if you think you're right and you know you're right. Put it down. Leave it down. Listen to the person. It might surprise you that they know more than you do. It also might surprise you that they will give you something in a way that you had never considered before that's going to give you even greater depth to the knowledge you already have.
1: Do you want to know what a true humility, a humble person
0: is? It's one who wants to listen. I don't care who you are. Let me hear your voice. Let me hear who you are. Let me hear what you're about. That's the love of
1: God operating. So, you get a truly meek Christian
0: who's humble, which means he gets himself planted in the church, he ain't moving. Well, you can't, because if he's truly humble and meek, right, he already knows. It's okay. And you know, one of the things that my wife was listening to doing the effusions was Pastor Gary, and I was sitting at the front with one of them, and he, and he brought back something that is very real to me, and it's very real to Pastor Paul. And Pastor Paul is a part of this with, with me, but he said, Paul, bring and I don't always agree on everything, but we aren't disagreeable. So same with Pastor Paul and Pastor Gary. Praise God, they don't believe everything together and walk around like a couple of twins. One's enough. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Pastor. All right. So you get a military guy who's humble and meek, your military people, being humble and meek. Now you want to find out all right, so this centurion, I mean, this heathen, humble and meek, but he had authority. And he knew what that authority was, and he knew how to use that authority. Well, let me give you a little secret here. And if you need to and you want to, jot it down, check it out later. But go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, in the last half, and it's my favorite verse, right after Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. As... He is. So am I. Put it that way. Don't go so are we, because I kind of, you know. With Pastor Gary and I, it's a real bad thing if we do with the we, because that automatically goes to our associate, right? <laughs> we will get this done. So am I. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God is the same power that raised you and I the day we took Jesus into our heart. That same power, that same authority is in each and every one of you. Get it through your heads. You know your word. Stand on your word. You're not going to be moved from your word, but you're going to be sweet, meek. I knew knew she'd laugh at that
1: one. She's meek. Except
0: if you're her a bit. No, she's sweet lady, Marie. So there's that. The other part is, I don't care who you are. If you have something you want to share with me, come to me. I'm going to listen. And I mean I'm going to listen. And if I don't agree with you, We're not going to have an argument. We'll have a discussion, a nice one, over a cup of tea or a Starbucks or something.
1: Those two qualities. Now, you want great faith?
0: This is where it gets so simple, it would take a man to foul it up.
1: (laughs) I'm speaking from experience.
0: If you take a look, and I'm not going to pick any one scripture, but let's go back to Luke 7. Go back to Luke 7. The faith that he talked about was great faith. So we have the word faith. In the Greek, the word faith is pistis. It's a noun. It's a descriptor. But also, have you ever noticed, how many of you have noticed this? I can intermix faith and belief. I could intermix them. Do you want to know why you can?
1: In the Greek, the noun is pistis. In
0: that's for faith. Believing is pisteos. Pistis is the noun. The action is pisteos,
1: belief. Right.
0: So when Jesus was talking, and he intermixed the discussions he was having with faith and believing, he was actually saying something that, in the Greek, is, 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 is it, it, how do I put this? It's it's so commonplace, so commonplace. You don't even think about it. Like, yeah, man, that's right. You know, you know why not? pistos and pisteos when used in conjunction in the greek through any text where they're interchangeable is because they are so very very close so you have the noun and then you have the action right on top of it all right what that is actually saying if you read it right out in the greek and i won't go into it today because it takes almost a half hour to go through but trust me You can do that kind of a research for yourself. It's it's available for you online. What it's actually saying is I don't need anything else because I'm gonna take you at your word. That's it. I don't need to have you sign anything. I don't need you to cut your hand and have some blood and wrap ourselves together and become blood brothers. I don't need a covenant. I don't need anything else other than the fact I know you have authority so you speak it and that's it. I trust you. I take care to your work. And what is happening here is that he had authority. He didn't require Jesus to come into his home. He didn't require anointing of oil. He didn't require laying on of hands. In actual fact, if you really want to think about it, this was the first This was the first form of prayer. Anybody tell me what that form of prayer would be?
1: They both came into agreement. Prayer of agreement.
0: He took him at his word, and he said, all you do is say it. All you have to do is say it, and I'm agreeing with you that it's going to be done. Why? Because I'm a man under authority. I know the authority that I'm under. So should you people know the authority that you're under. You have the authority Jesus got you all the power. You're seated at the right hand of God. Now have faith in the word. This is all you need. This will heal you. It'll get rid of cancer. It'll get you and raise you up. It'll put you before kings and give you the answers and the wisdom. And guess what? You don't have to walk in with it. Open and remember where, where it's at. Get it in you. Get it in you. And God will bring it up when he needs it. You need to become a walking library so filled with the word of God that you have absolutely no doubt, no fear about what's coming down the road or where you're going to be going. You just walk in and there you go and wait. Like what Pastor said, I've learned not to react. I have too. I used to... Well, here's what's happening. You know, Pastor blah, 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 blah. You know, just about... I might as well just take the Bible, throw it at him and say, Can't you read? I want to let him know where verses he was missing and everything else. I didn't even listen to him. Humility will make us listen. Meekness will give us the confidence to listen to things we don't think we need to hear. Those two working together are the twins that work with faith and believing.
1: You want great faith? That's all
0: I need. It's all Jesus wants. Oh, I got to go pray about it. Oh, I got to fast. What Jesus said, you know, it won't come out without fasting and prayer. Yeah, he did. Read it in the context give up your lifestyle for his, fast. Pray. I know whose I am. I know the authority I have. I know the power I have. So now the Christian that's standing on the side of the road realizes I'm just going to speak God's word and it's all going to happen. That's great faith. That's great faith. It's that simple.
1: I say God's word from a standpoint, I know that I know that I know. And I know I have the authority and the power to do it. There's great faith. That simple. And what do we do? Well,
0: you need to have seven steps to get to great faith. Get on your knees for 30 days, pray in the Holy Ghost an hour every day,
1: pay your tithe. No. Read your word. Let
0: the love of God flow through you as you read in the word. Become confident in his ability in you, not your ability in him. Most Christians, unfortunately, have that wrong. My ability is in Christ Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus' ability is inside you, and you need to release it in faith and with the authority given you.
1: There is nothing that you ask
0: from a place of meek humility as a born-again believer that will not come to pass.
1: That's his word. He
0: himself said, My promises are yes, And amen. Who is responsible for the amen? You are. He's already said yes. You say amen. And what he is saying over your life will come to pass. And he has said, I want you to prosper. I want you to be in health. I want you to be joyful. I want you to have all I have without sorrow. It's what he wants. So guess what you should be doing right now? I've been preaching real good here all day, and none of you have been saying amen. Wow. Amen. 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 And remember, you know, if, if you're, you're always looking for examples through the Bible and stuff, remember what Mary did, 16 years old. Some angel, big one, shows up and said, by the way, you're going to be pregnant. she's a good Jewish girl. Come on, she came from a good Jewish family. What do you mean I'm going to be pregnant? Really, I haven't been with anybody, honest. (laughs) And I almost see her going, "Mm, I didn't do anything. But she,
1: she also knew, and she was humble. She
0: listened. She gave it some thought, realized who it was, and said, and this is where her great faith came in. Out of her mouth, out of her mouth, she said, let it be unto me as you have said. That is a full amen. Amen in the Hebrew means, so be it, right? You receive it, so be it. Okay, well, I did go down too hard. I go down all right. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the
1: Lord.